Welcome to this week's episode of Beyond the Box with your host and CEO of Babelbox, Sherry Langberg. Sherry interviews the world's biggest brands, agencies, and influencers to uncover their influencer marketing secrets to success. Go behind the scenes and learn how you can make influencer marketing part of your social media playbook. Subscribe to Beyond the Box at podcast.babelbox.com. Listen to all of your favorite episodes and follow us on Instagram for more influencer marketing inspiration. Hi, everyone. Today, I'm joined by two influencers whose respective journeys I have followed from their starts. Their creativity, ambition, and moxie are awe-inspiring. I am pleased to have Diana Elizabeth and Alyssa Amoroso here, who will be sharing their insights from the influencer marketing perspective. Hi, ladies. Hi. Hi. How are you? We are good. I'm good. I'm good. Thank you both for joining. Happy to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, obviously we're here today. We're hitting up a new year, a new decade, and wanted to mix things up by, you know, really looking toward influencers that, you know, could give us their perspective. And you two are my two favorites. So I wanted to have you both join us. So I'll start with you, Alyssa. You know, I have watched your, your career blossom, and I believe you started out in the PR world. What inspired publicity, and how did you transition from full-time employee to independent influencer. Totally. Thank you so much for saying that. I know I feel like we used to email like five years ago, if not more. It's just so crazy where this industry takes people. But I would say um, just like the gist of everything, I started um, blogging a little bit in college. Absolutely loved it. I had a different blog every day. Like I would do one on Blogspot, one on Tumblr, wherever. And um, at that time, Twitter was kind of big. So I would use Twitter as a means to promote my blog. And I was kind of just like doing it for fun. And um, my senior project in school, I was a public relations, like marketing media studies major. I um, made a website called Alyssa PR, actually, as my first blog. And I started promoting that. And I started gaining a little bit of traction. But I basically got a job working in PR two days after graduation. So I graduated on a Friday, started work on a Monday, and I got right into PR. And I was just knees deep with that, that I really didn't have time to focus on blogging. So I kind of just put it to the wayside. And then it wasn't until I was about two years, three years into my PR career, where I really started to see influencers taking off in a different way. They weren't just girls with blogs. They were girls now on Instagram. We were paying them a lot of money. They were getting amazing brand deals and great recognition in the industry. And I think it was around 2016, 2015, where I decided, you know, I work in PR. I have these tools. I've done this before. I love doing this. I kind of need a hobby. So I'm going to start a blog again. And I just decided at that moment, you know what, I'm not going to care what people say about me. I'm not going to care what people think about me. I'm just going to put myself out there and do what I please and talk about things that I love. So publicity was born. Um, I launched my brand. It is called Publicity. It's been called that from the very beginning. It is a play on word with my name, Alyssa, and obviously the word publicity. So it's spelled P-U-B-L-Y-S-S-I-T-Y, since List is my nickname. Um, and yeah, so publicity was born, and now it's about four years later, and 
I'm running my brand full time. I took that transition out of PR and I'm really just kind of going for it. That is amazing. What is your main focus on? I mean, I know what it is, but could you tell everyone what the main focus of publicity is in terms of your channel? Totally. So my, my goal at the beginning when I first set out to do this was to really talk about everything. I didn't want to pigeonhole myself into one specific area. I would say when you look at my page at a first glance, you would think fashion just by the way things look. But when you read my captions and you view my stories and you consume my content, it's much more lifestyle. I love to post travel content. Um, I actually love posting travel guides. I think it's so fun because it's such a passion of mine. I post um, just things that I do daily working from home. I talk about my career a lot. I talk about um, recipes that I'm cooking a lot on my stories talk about dressing for my body type and and just a little bit of everything I really don't limit myself because I really just wanted to be an outlet that kind of showcases everything I love mm-hmm. and I love a little bit of I love a little bit of everything I'm not just strictly a beauty girl or fashion girl that thank you for that insight in the background and I think that that's kind of how Diana Elizabeth's you know content flourishes is really lifestyle in all different categories um, Diana, I feel like you might have been an award-winning, a pageant-winning TV entertainment host. Uh, could you just tell us your background and how you broke out into being an influencer? Um, yeah, so I majored in journalism in college, and I did do pageants. So I have a couple of titles under my belt. Um, I did the Miss America system to win scholarship money for college. Wow. And also did some part-time modeling on the side. And um, so once I graduated from the University of Arizona with a BA in journalism, um, I moved to LA and I worked in the television industry. So uh, also like as a PA, you know, like the bottom of the totem pole, of course. <laughs> and, um, you know, you got to pay your dues. And then I ended up landing a job as a red carpet reporter for E! Online. And I was pretty much like a ghostwriter for on-air talent. Because there's so many events in LA that you can't go to all of them. So you mm-hmm. kind of have to have, you know, an assistant. So I was that assistant at 21 years old and so excited to be interviewing like Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie and all that stuff, like, you know, Simple Life and fun shows that came out. Um, and I did that for about a year and um, I had like a love-hate relationship with LA. Like I loved so much about it, but it was really difficult for me as a young adult trying to make it in an industry that is always changing and mm-hmm. you know shows get canceled positions get changed so i decided to take a job at the arizona republic like i'm originally from uh, northern california but i never thought i would move back to arizona after college but i did mm-hmm. and i pretty much begged for the job because they offered it to me and i was like no i don't want to go back and then i just kind of looked at life and i was like you know what i think quality of life might be really good in phoenix And this might be an opportunity for me to get ahead instead of feeling like I'm trying so hard to dig myself out of a hole and trying to make it in LA. And it was just like, you know, moving temporary anyway. So I moved to LA. Um, I was a writer for the Arizona Republic and worked as a stylist. So I still kind of did the glamorous part of journalism. Mm -hmm. Um, I pulled clothing, put outfits together, write about it. And after that, I just kind of decided I honestly wanted to make more money and they were like what well, do you want to write about schools or cops and I'm like eh, I don't really want that it's not really like kind of my thing like I want it you know entertainment beauty fashion and I don't want to move to New York because I was kind of too scared and too young that I was like 
what's one of my regrets. I wish I, Alyssa, I'm like glad you live in, in like New York, like living my life <laughs> before I settle down. I think it's so awesome, but like, I just didn't have that in me yet. So I'm like, okay, I can do the fun stuff in Phoenix while I can. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to go to marketing. Like, I think that's a, a strategy that I just want to explore. I want to see how good I can be at this. And so I moved into a corporate company that gave me a lot of flexibility and even paid for me to better my uh, graphic design skills that I already had. I picked up a camera. I became, a, my side hustle became photography. And I worked in marketing for five years as a lead, lead graphic designer and branding, um, did all the marketing campaigns for this company. And as my side hustle grew, I, you know, what happens when your side hustle grows and you really love it, you start to think like, I think I want to, I think I want to jump ship. And my fifth year of being in corporate, I, you, know, you have your yearly review. And instead of getting a raise, because I was very aggressive with my raises, I'm kind of just one of those people that I like to negotiate. I said, I don't want a raise. I actually want every Friday off. Wow. And I want to keep my salary. And wow. they were kind of like, what? No, like nobody did that yet. Like this wasn't remote working wasn't very popular yet. This was 10 years ago. And um, I was like, yeah. And so they were like, well, how about if you work like four tens? And I'm like, no way. Like I can't, I can't do that. Uh, which is funny because now I do. Very, <laughs> very seems like I do. But um, they were like, okay. And um, they let me have every Friday off. And on those Fridays, I did graphic design. I took my photography clients. I photographed weddings on the weekend. And I really built my side hustle um, to a point where I was able to leave corporate and corporate America and decide I was going to give myself a full year and see if I could financially make it and be happy. And if I didn't, I could always go back to corporate. I mean, I had a degree. I could, it's not a big deal. I just wanted to see if I could actually do it and spend 10 years. That's amazing. Well, I know you and I talk about side hustles a lot, so uh, that's a big topic for later. <laughs> but, you know, you brought up the New York City dream. I, and Alyssa and I, you know, kind of on the East Coast, but it sounds like Arizona um, living there has played a lot um, you know, into your story. Can you tell us how just Southwest living has shaped the content and the stories you create? Yeah. I, you know, what's funny is I think the Southwest doesn't supply for me the backdrop for it, which is funny because it's very, you know, desert and I'm such a gardener. And so I've kind of made my house, my little backdrop oasis, mm -hmm. but the Southwest being in Phoenix in general, it's such a big city and there's so many transients here. I mean, I don't even call them transients because I don't feel like anyone really leaves. We're just kind of coming in from all different places and loving the city with an entrepreneurial spirit. And with that spirit, I think it motivated me to collaborate, to um, be more bold here and kind of pursue things because I, I feel the hustle. Like I, it, it's here in Phoenix without being, you know, as large as New York or Los Angeles. I love that um, the entrepreneurial spirit here that we help one another. And so I think that has helped me create content and motivation and the stories and maybe even have more of a home life here because, I mean, I, I would love to have a beach again <laughs> and I would love all those things, but Phoenix also has a little suburban feel too that I can share those passions of my gardening and my home. Yeah, you definitely, I mean, you you would think that you live near a beach and like you, that that garden is, you know, so you're doing a great job making it look that way. And I guess the flip side is the New York City life, Alyssa, which I'm just amazed, like there is, as Diana says, so much competition 
particularly now with Instagram and influencers, how, you know, how do you, how do you differentiate yourself so well? Oh yeah. I mean, there for sure is a big, big saturated influencer market here in New York city. That said, I think there's so much more opportunity for us. Like I, I myself have considered potentially relocating to LA or something, but then I just think about all of the opportunities that I wouldn't get that I do happen to get in New York because of my network and, you know, a lot of events take place here. We have fashion week, all of these things. So it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword, but I mean, just differentiating yourself. I've always just from the beginning, just done what I like. And I'm a big believer that you are yourself, even if people maybe don't get the best impression of you when they first meet you, or even if they kind of don't like you, if you just keep remaining true to yourself over time, you will slowly prove those people wrong or earn respect of new people. So I've always just kind of done my thing. And I, I try not to do too much of the comparison game. I know it eats a lot of influencers up. We're constantly looking at other influencers saying, why did they get that job and I didn't? Or how come they got chosen for that event and I didn't? And it's really something that you do have to think about because from an analytical business standpoint, you do want to analyze, you know, the kind of content that you're posting, the amount of likes that you're getting, how well things are resonating with people. But you really just have to, I think, be authentic and your followers, they get to know your personality. Like I think Instagram stories is a great tool and having my own podcast has been a really great tool for me because I feel like my followers that listen to my podcast, they know me, they know my family, they get my personality, and it's actually made us much closer. So it becomes more of a quality over quantity type of situation. So really sticking out in a saturated market, there's no golden ticket. There's nothing that's going to make you stand out more than others. Some people get lucky. Some people work harder. I just think it's a little bit of luck and a lot of hard work. Definitely a lot of hard work because I started out like mm -hmm. both of you um, and I just flipped it to go on to the business side of things. So very impressive and thank you. And, you know, to that point, um, you know, some things that we also have in common, I mean, Alyssa, your podcast, which we'll get into, but Diana, I wrote diaries from the time I think I was in fourth grade all the way till 10th grade. And oh. <laughs> And I, I, it's scary to read some of them, I have to be honest, but I know you've written, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's really like disturbing, but ha you've written so many diaries. So <laughs> do you think chronicling your life as a young girl prepared you for this kind of like chronicling your life today? I would never guess that I would be doing what I'm doing today. Like, you know, there's this job that never existed and you wouldn't read public diaries, you know, which I'm doing now. I'm finally opening them up. <laughs> and sharing those tidbits some I'm horrified with at um but I think it's yeah it definitely did isn't it funny how the things that you realize you enjoyed as a child to a young adult to everything it just builds into what you enjoy now it's the the evolution of a creative person I believe or just a person in general we yeah. just pick up hobbies and if you let them flow you can kind of see what happens. Like, you know, I go from photography and marketing into blogging and with words. I mean, I'm doing all the things that I have picked up along the way and enjoyed and just found ways to integrate it. And not everything that you enjoy has to be a career either. Like some things I think you can protect or will burn you out if you make it into a job. I am a writer. I'm a writer that just happens to have a blog. And I'm a blogger who happened to just grow a little bit of an influence online. I'm like the accidental influencer. I just kind of pursued my passions and somehow found 
a way to get paid for it and absolutely love every day that I am able to do this job. I love that tagline. You should call yourself the accidental influencer. But, you know, I hear mm. <laughs> I hear what you're saying because, yeah, my my dream coming out of college was to be a writer. Um, there were no writing jobs for Mont like in Montreal because I didn't speak my French wasn't, you know, I didn't have strong enough French skills. So I started writing tech manuals and, you know, that's mm -hmm. how I got into mm -hmm. to software. And then I was building <laughs> systems and from systems, I was like, this is boring. So I'm going to switch on to the marketing and business side. So it's the same thing. Like, you know, you just kind of, but the world of opportunities with, you know, today, you know, as Alyssa, you said, like with people or Diana, you said it, like people working remote, like it didn't exist back then. So it's, it's amazing. You know, sometimes markets get saturated. Like the photography market got really saturated. And that's when I just kind of looked around and was like, well, what else can I do? So I tried to keep that entrepreneurial spirit. And it's, I, I love being a blogger and influencer, but there might be a time where this market's going to shift and I'm going to shift with it. And I'm happy to, because all I want to do is use these talents that I've, you know, worked on um, and these passions and just kind of go with the markets and, and I'm very flexible with whatever happens. Yeah, it's funny. I have, you know, people say to me, oh my God, Cher, you work so much, you work so much. But to me, my work, this is my creative passion. I don't feel like mm -hmm. I'm working when I'm doing what I'm doing. And I, I'm assuming you both don't either. Like, I love what I'm doing. So it's creative for me. It's just another outlet. Speaking of collaborations, Alyssa, I'm going to ask you a question first. What is your all-time favorite collaboration, if you could pick one, and what made it so special? It's hard to say. One that I always like default to, just because it was so unique, was a, it wasn't even a paid partnership. It was just, it was a rental car exchange um, where basically for four consecutive weeks, I partnered with the rental car company and they gave me a car every weekend to drive out to the Hamptons in because I had a <laughs> rental house that summer in the Hamptons and I was getting crazy cars like convertibles <laughs> and fun Jeeps and I just felt at that moment because I didn't have the same following I have now. I probably had under 100,000 followers, maybe around 50 or so. And I remember just like driving up to the Hamptons in my convertible with my window down, just thinking like, okay, this is what all the hard work has paid off. <laughs> and I just felt very accomplished in that moment. And for some reason, and that just sticks out in my, in my head because it was just such a, I kind of like, hey, I kind of maybe might be able to do this thing moment for me. But, and also I think it was a successful partnership for a different reason because it was a, four week program consecutively, my followers knew which rental car company I was partnering with. If they needed a rental car, that brand would be top of mind. And I felt like I still feel like brands need to take this approach way more often where they are consecutively partnering with influencers on a regular basis to drive brand awareness. And I felt like it really did that. So not only was it fun for me, I felt like it was very successful. That is amazing. Um, I just can envision it. So Diana, how about you? <laughs> oh, gosh, I have like a top three. So I was thinking about this and you know, there's moments I'll get emails and I will literally cry in front of my desk. Cause I'm just like, this brand wants to work with me. Are you kidding me? I've been a customer forever. And so I, I was just thinking about the latest ones that I really like just blew me away. And I, I have to say it was my college. Oh, wow. Me. Wow. And um, 
I am a huge college girl. I mean, I'm beyond college. Like, I mean, I graduated a long time ago, right? But like I, college was such a huge part of my life because I felt like that's where I grew the most into who I am today. And I mean, I, you know, keep growing, of course, but that was a, a pivotal moment in my life was college. So when my university, all of a sudden I saw, you know, the alumni association follow me on Instagram and I was like, is this by accident? <laughs> what is happening? And then I got a phone call and they invited me to cover homecoming as an influencer. And I just yeah. was floored. Like it was just like, so flattering. I love my college so much. I love all the experiences they have given me and for them to just come back and be like, we know who you are. And we know, you know, like it just was so amazing. And plus the funny part was I had it on my bio, how college was the best years of my life. Can I have the diary entries to prove it? <laughs> and they saw that, you know, it was just so organic and it was just so natural. And when I met, you know, get, went down there and covered it and I got to go to all the events and like pretended I was in college again. <laughs> um, I joked, I was like, you guys, I'm getting paid to go back to college. Like this is crazy. So it was just an amazing event for me, just, you know, nostalgia, um, the ties and just like, it, I mean, it's my, my university that I just love so much. And it was just a great opportunity for me to feel valued by some, you know, an organization that I absolutely love. Yeah, it's, you're, you're very lucky as, again, I'm Canadian. So we don't necessarily, or back in the day, have that amazing college experience because it's like we go local. Mm -hmm. um, but, okay. you know, I could, I definitely can, you know, envision what that means to someone just because my camp from growing up, like, has been calling me to work with them. So that's been just more meaningful than so much of the things that I, you know, like just being able to be like working with something like an environment that meant so much to you and grow with them and giving back is great. And then since then, it's like, I've created this bond with, you know, the association and they've interviewed me for things, you know, I'm able to really like, it's been my new year's resolution is to work closely or with my uh, alumni association. And so this is really uh, bridged that gap. Well, that brings up a good point. I'm wondering, and Alyssa, you brought up, um, and this is off the cuff, but you brought up something about, you know, what people think about you. Do you, either of you get any kind of anti, you know, people writing you nasty things or bullying, cyber bullying because of who you are online? Um, I think I've like, I think I've hidden haters. They're not loud. I know people obviously talk about it just because you would be, you know, anyone that's putting themselves out there that much is subjecting themselves to criticism, you know, mm -hmm. um, for, for, I have a great example. I never really post scandalous photos and I posted something today, still not very scandalous, but just like showing my figure more. Mm -hmm. um, and within the first 40 minutes of posting it, I could already see my backend analytics that 50 or so people have DM'd it to someone else like direct message it to someone else. Oh my so, God. What do you, like, what do you think they're saying? I don't know. Hey, maybe they're complimenting me and I'm just <laughs> thinking of the negative, but they're also probably like, I could just hear the comments now. Oh, do you think she edited this photo? Do you think she really looks like that? But what, you know, when did her waist get that way? Like, <laughs> and, and little, little do they know I've been eating a uh, gluten-free, but you know, like, I just, I don't know these things. Right. But you could assume them and you could mm -hmm. leave it up um, mm -hmm. for imagination. And I just figured, you know what? Hey, if they're sending it to someone that's more eyeballs on my content. So thank you for that extra impression. Oh. <laughs> so mm -hmm. that, that's kind of what I mean. Like I just kind of brush it off. And people, someone trolls me every few months, every time I put up a selfie and, and comment saying that I look like Caitlyn Jenner. And 
I think it's probably the same person because it's just an, it's a weird comment to get all the time. But mm-hmm. other than that, I don't really get much hate. It's, it's probably more silent. I mean, I don't know how you, I, I don't have the, I wouldn't be strong enough, but I, I kudos to you. <laughs> Diana, does it happen to you at all? Um, it has before, you know, when it does, it's actually usually when the brand boosts my content on oh, social, because yeah, it for, reaches people that are not following me. Yeah, for sure. We yeah. see that. So, yeah. you know, people are like, why is this girl on my feed? And then they'll say things. I mean, I've been insulted in the weirdest ways where, you know, like, oh, why does her leg look weird? I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys, I don't even know. Like I got bit by 10 mosquitoes when I took that photo by the fire pit. Um, <laughs> or like, oh, welcome to my house that the average American can't afford. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, I'm standing against the wall with a painting in the back. Like this is criticism that just kind of comes from people. And I just ignore it or I delete it. You know, I, I just can't worry about it. I, I did a YouTube video and I did it for myself because I did the DNA test and, and I just want to document it because I was like, let's just see. I mean, I look in the mirror every day. I'm pretty sure I know I'm Asian. Like, it's not like a surprise, but when it came out, <laughs> it was like 0.01%. I was possibly Ashkenazi Jewish, like European. I freaked out because I was so excited. Like, listen, I'm excited about blue like I don't even know like anything other than what I normally see every day and wow man the comments of me like self-hating myself because I was excited I was like you guys come on like everyone chill out so I had to disable comments on that and I don't even monitor anymore I don't care I don't even care to go through that inbox to approve comments you know, like it's just, it's a whole different thing. So I just try to look at a blind eye and I don't know how the celebs do it. I don't think I'm strong enough to handle it. And I'm a little, I kind of like my little influence where it's small enough where I don't feel like I'm getting too much criticism. And like Sherry, you said, how do you handle it? Listen, we handle it on a very small scale. Like I can handle Mm -hmm. this because to me, it's nothing. I mean, I heard worse in high school. (laughs) For me, what what would be bad is like the people that go on The Bachelor and and they get it on every photo. And that to me is something where I'm like, how could you do it? For us, it's kind of just like, we all talk bad about people in our everyday life anyway. You see someone and you're like, oh, what's she wearing? You know, so I try not to take it too seriously because I'm like, it's not personal. It's just, the way of the world, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I, again, kudos to both you and, you know, I, all over the news now is the whole, the poor Peloton woman who's in that commercial. <laughs> I, I feel horrible for her, but let's talk about whitelisting. Like, is that because it is, you know, obviously everyone's impacted by organic reach. You know, it's happening. What do you guys think about whitelisting when the brands or agencies go in and boost your content? Because, yeah, you're not reaching your audience. Do you think it's impactful or do you think it's, what do you think? Um, I haven't really I, seen a huge, I'm sorry. Um, okay. I, was, I haven't really sorry, seen a huge, like, um, effect from it necessarily, to be honest. Okay. okay. And Diana, what um, about you? Well, when they boost it, I actually like that. So <laughs> I don't mind, I don't really get that much. Um, crazy comment. But what I have used to my advantage is especially Facebook. I, I'm starting to like Facebook more and more. Actually, I have a different audience on Facebook than I do on Instagram. Some overlap, but not necessarily. And so when a brand boosts my content on Facebook and people like it, I'm inviting them to like my page. And I have grown my Facebook page to a great scale because of those brands boosting that content for me. 
because right. if those people already like it and they kind of, so I absolutely like, that's really great for me because I can invite them on Instagram. I can't really invite people to like my profile. That's up to them to then, you know, click another button and, and look. Um, so I, I actually hope that most brands would boost my content on Facebook so I can grow my Facebook um, page. Yeah, I feel like, look, Instagram is big, the biggest channel today. You know, obviously it shifts and there's different needs, but I, I, I think that Facebook definitely has different audiences and comes with a different value to it. So, you know, talking about whitelisting is one thing that you know, brands can do, but Alyssa, I'll ask you first, you know, what else you mentioned, you know, kind of having longer term brand ambassadorship programs, but what else can brands or marketers, agencies do to improve their working relationship with someone like you? So I think that there's a few things that brands could do. Um, are you just talking more general or more specifically toward like whitelisting still? No, no, more general. Like what are, yeah, influencer marketing in general. I think that, and you have to, I know you know this, but other people I've come from, you know, I've, I've hired influencers and run multi-million dollar influencer campaigns on the brand side. And now I am an influencer. So I feel like I do have a pretty unique perspective. Mm -hmm. And there's a few things that I feel that work well. And one of those things is getting to know your influencer partner and not just judging a book by the cover and looking at their feed. Like you have to really spend time with their feed. Are they engaging with their followers on stories? Are they commenting back to people? Do they have that repertoire with their audience that is impactful? Um, a lot of times brands just want kind of the superficial and then they, they don't understand why things don't perform well for them. So I think that before you engage with influencers, you really have to spend time getting to know them and getting to know the way they're interacting with their audience. Another thing I think is making sure that you're not just going for the same cookie cutter girl that every single brand is hiring. Like we all know those like cookie cutter blonde girls that are on every campaign and they're do, getting all the work. Those people are maybe relatable in New York City, but not everywhere in the world. So it's working with people that reach everyone and reach diverse audiences. I think that's important. And then also, I think, like I said a little bit about my car rental partnership, I think it's really important to have multi-month campaigns, whether it be three months. I know when I pitch myself to campaigns, a lot of times I say a three post minimum. Um, when I'm working with a brand, I want to post it multiple times so my followers know I love that brand and they know that it's something that is tried and true versus just having one-off posts here and there. I, I just don't think that will necessarily move the needle. No, that makes great. Yeah, I agree with all those points. Diana, what's your take on it? Yeah, Alyssa, I think you had so many. I was like nodding as you were talking. I'm like, yes. <laughs> I, I, you know, when Alyssa was talking, I was like, okay, those were really good points. And I was like, okay, what can I add to this? Because she kind of hit everything. I think when marketers look for influencers is to keep in mind what exactly their goal is because there's content creators and there's influencers and there's bloggers. And I mean, we can, they all kind of overlap a little bit, but they all stand out in different ways. And I think having the right expectations for what you're hiring someone for. So even looking at their Instagram feed and seeing, okay, well maybe there's whatever thing you don't, you're like, okay, they don't get enough comments or likes. And I understand the value of that. But if you're looking at their content and it's beautiful photography that you can now use on your marketing, you know, on your feed, because it's not filtered to that influencer's typical, you know, maybe, you know, each influencer kind of has their own editing style. And maybe you can use that content and that value right there. I say and that all the time. Yes. 
I say yes, it all the time. Like I, it's not just mm-hmm. about, it's like the, like when I worked in corporate America, we would pay thousands of dollars to have, you know, photographers. Well, here all of a sudden you have this arsenal of photos that you could reshare and reuse. So yes. Oh, I was just going to say, I think the issues brands run into is that influencers, we want to charge for that content. So I think I agree. If I was a brand, I would try to sneak that into contracts the most I could to have, have the influencers work as your content creators. So you're not having as many large scale photo shoots or shooting as many in-house campaigns, but yeah, I would totally, that's what I always advise. I do um, PR still a little bit on the side and social media. And I always advise my clients to take that route. And I mean, there's also the influencers that are really influential and have a great, amazing following, but then they're filtering. I mean, it might fit their style, but it looks like there's pollution in the air. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not trying to like say like it's very gritty or like desaturated and it looks great on their feed and it obviously resonates with their following, but then that brand can't, that doesn't even look like the packaging, you know, so they can't even use that. So you just need to know where those dollars that you're spending, do you just want to get in front of an audience? Great. Get an influencer. Do you want beautiful content? Then just pick someone who has clean images and don't worry about the following. Um, do you want a blogger with great SEO? Because later on, they're going to be searching best filter, you know, like, so these are all things that to take into account and not have the same expectations for each of those individuals. All great points. You know, I, I feel like from our end, it's like, there's just so many things when you're managing a campaign that you have to think about. And we always get the question, like the ROI, the ROI, it's not just about how many impressions you got, or, you know, how many sales you got, there's the content, there's, you know, you even talk about blog content, there's such value in it and everyone's just right now focused so much on Instagram that we're kind of forgetting the blog content which I think is super valuable as well. Do either of you and I'll ask Alyssa this question first are you selling on Amazon are you not pro con what do you think about the whole Amazon selling? Um, I actually do partner with Amazon from time to time because uh, my ultimate goal is to get into hosting on air and they have a um, like Amazon Live is what they call it, where they do some live shows. So I've, I've partnered with them on some video content. So I'm a big um, proponent of using Amazon and I shop Amazon all the time. So it's really authentic. I mean, I just ordered a new iPhone cord literally an hour ago because mine broke. <laughs> I'm always doing the two-day shipping and I, I'm all about it. I think anywhere where you can get a affiliate commission on a link, Mm-hmm. Um, why not? It's just a little extra money in our pockets for work that we're doing. And it's not like it's breaking the bank. I mean, we're making a few cents a sale, but anything these days to, right. <laughs> to get a little money. So I'm not, I'm not above it. Yeah, no, there, there's always been that question with affiliate. Like a lot of influencers have been against it. We personally are about to launch an affiliate program, but have always been like, no, we're not going to do it. Cause we want to pay the influencers. But you know, if there's, yeah, a- yeah. If there's opportunity, I think there's opportunity. Well, let me just clarify. I think there's a huge difference between an Amazon affiliate and a small brand affiliate. So, for example, if a brand approaches me and says, hey, we want you to post X, Y, and Z, and we don't have budget, but you can make affiliate sales, I'm not ever going to take that. Because the chances of my followers purchasing off that one link within that small time period is very unlikely. People Mm -hmm. take time to make purchases, I've learned. But with Amazon, people are already shopping on Amazon anyway, and you could link a plethora of things from home stuff to tech stuff to fashion to beauty, whatever. Mm -hmm. So the probability of selling is more likely. But when it comes to small brands, I would never take the affiliate route personally. 
Very interesting. If that makes sense. Yeah. Diana, same? No? Yeah, no, I can't. Well, it's just I know my readership. I know they'll click a lot. Totally. And I know that um, I'm spending so much time, you know, we, we create this content. It takes time. And I'd rather get paid for my time. And I think most marketers know that doesn't it have to touch somebody seven times until they're, they feel comfortable making exactly. a Exactly. I think they said the other so day, thir- I mean, thir- 13 times. <laughs> it's up. Great. Well, if any brands want to hire me and Alyssa for 13 times, we'll, we'll sell that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, and that's exactly it. I mean, I know my followers. I mean, I believe in my brands and I believe in my power of influence. And I think that my followers definitely do buy and that. And I just don't think they buy right then and there all the time. And it's like, I'm not going to hire a photographer, pay them, give up hours of my time to shoot content when I'm not going to make anything. And even if people do buy, what am I getting? 15% of the sale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The sale of a $20 item. Like it's just, it doesn't pay. And I, I understand why brands try to take that route, but I just don't think, I think it's really undervaluing um, the brand awareness that the influencer is giving you and their like hard earned time. Also, like if you did a commercial on TV and you're like, please air this commercial until I make X amount of money that this commercial cost me. It's not realistic. Well, it's like PR. I say when people say to me, what's the sales? How many sales? Yeah. Are we I'm like, well, if you get in the New York Times, it doesn't mean you're <laughs> going to get a sale. Like it's the same thing. Right. So, yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, I think, you know, again, we've stayed away, but I think that, you know, for people emerging, but the other thing is, can there be higher payouts? So can it be, you know, for new, for newer influencers starting out, I think it might be a different story. And also if the payouts were higher because the 15% doesn't necessarily work for, you know, you, you're both at a different level than when you start out. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. As a marketer, it's worth a chance. I, again, I see it from both sides. If I had a brand tomorrow, would I try to get away with it? Absolutely. But as an influencer, <laughs> right, right. am I going to do it? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's like both sides. Of, it's like, yeah. So let me ask you, I feel like we're in the midst of a like crisis. Um, so I want to talk about this. What we think is going to happen with the Instagram likes. Um, you know, do you think it's as big of a story as everyone's making it? Diana, you tell us what your thoughts are. I've been waiting for this day to happen for a long time since they announced it like last year. I'm like, when is this coming to the USA, <laughs> guys? When I just step back and I look at it, I am just hoping that maybe this levels the playing field in the sense of content creation and allowing people to like what they want to like and content creators to put out um, as much or as little amount of content without overanalyzing everything else that we've been analyzing, overanalyzing, you know, before we post and after we post. So I'm looking forward to it. My like numbers have not disappeared yet. Um, I don't, you know, I have some friends who are like, oh, my likes are down, my likes are down. And I, I joke with them and I'm like, my likes are down, but my bank account's up, guys. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, it's, it's gonna, you're gonna make it work. I'm not getting paid per like. I know it is important. I know brands kind of like that, but it's also liking something doesn't mean that somebody went out and bought it and liked it any more than somebody who saw it and didn't like it. If it's been seen, it's been seen. And that is the goal of these campaigns. Interesting. Alyssa? I, same thing. I mean, I'm happy to see it go because lately, my impressions have been better than ever and my likes have been down. So it's like, how does that make sense? Um, you know, as, as an influencer, I don't know if the, I think marketers know this, but I don't know if the general public really realizes how much detailed analyzing goes into our numbers and our analytics. I mean, 
I stare at my posts every day thinking, let me this one perform better. Let me that one perform better. Why is this getting more likes? Why is this getting shared more times? And it's frustrating because you're, you're trying so hard to create content that you think will resonate. And then maybe it is on the back end reaching more people, but it's not showing that it's because the likes aren't matching up. And I myself find myself scrolling through Instagram aimlessly looking at people's pictures and admiring them, but not giving them the like. And then sometimes I'll catch myself and I'll be like, okay, scroll back up and go like every single person's photo. Cause if they did this to you, you would be so upset. No, but, but no, the same thing I, sometimes, yeah. sometimes yeah. I feel bad for someone who yeah. posted something and they didn't get liked. So I'm like, oh, maybe I wish I could like 10 times. Cause I feel bad, you know? Yes, yes, <laughs> exactly. And it goes through my, it goes through my mind. And I think the thing is we consume content so quickly. We scroll, we read, we look, we consume it and we're on to the next within split of seconds like you know so quickly that I just don't think liking is the way we consume content anymore and I think that's fine so I think mm -hmm. to adapt with those changes is wonderful and and it's not going to hurt anyone's business because they're just going to request the information on the back end so yeah we'll still have that in, that insight so it's, it's all good okay my next we're gearing up what is the new decade not just the new year so um diana you first what are your predictions in influencer marketing for the new decade oh gosh i kind of wanted Alyssa to go first so I <laughs> <laughs> um, the marketing oh gosh i thought about this and i'm like gosh if i knew can somebody tell me because i'm trying to figure that out too but i'm just looking at the patterns of what the past influencers have been doing and that's product workshop consulting um, other ways to make money because this is changing constantly. And at the end of every year, I'm always like, oh my gosh, am I going to survive another year? And I don't know why I think that. And I don't know why the end of the year has to mark that, but it does for me. And I just set new goals. So I, because Instagram is going to take away likes, we're going to maybe see a shift. We'll see. I don't know. I think, I, I know brands are still going to pour money into influencer marketing. It's there. This, the, the share is there. So that's what's exciting is that I think there's still work available. I do think that if you want longevity, you just have to, you can't just join this and, you know, think it's going to be fast. You have to really genuinely love every aspect of blogging, creating content and being an influencer. And, um, you know, I'm here for the long haul. I w I'll do this as long as I possibly can. And when it's time, you know, and, the, and things shift, I will shift with it. But I, I think my prediction is just that it's, it's still going to be around no matter what happens to Instagram. I mean, maybe in five years it won't be around, but it's still going to be here next year. Maybe we'll go back to Twitter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Um, let's yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. go ahead. I would definitely, um, I think we're seeing an interesting moment right now where a lot of influencers are creating their own brands. Um, and when I say brands, I don't mean branding themselves as a brand. I mean, actually creating labels, fashion labels, candle labels, mm -hmm. anything. Um, I think that's big. I think in the next 10 years, we will see that be the way of the world. I mean, we've seen how successful something Navy's collection was with Nordstrom. Um, we see people like we were what selling out the Kardashians are wearing her clothes. And now we see Amazon doing it with the drop, which is their influencer, um, their influencer collection that they've been doing for Amazon fashion. So I think there's so many possibilities, so many things. And I, myself, I have a merchandise line where I sell clothes. And I just think that that is the way of the world. That's going to be the next big thing. And I don't know where it will take us. I mean, 
I think we're all getting older and our followers are getting older with us. So hopefully they'll follow us, the brands will follow us through the ages and stages. But I think for the younger generation, there's other platforms that they'll really start to own. Uh, TikTok is becoming huge. Twitch. I think that they are really big on Snapchat still. Yeah, there's all these different things. I mean, um, I, it's hard to predict. And I agree, like, I will ride this wave as long as I can. I'm never going to stop, even if I need to get a secondary job to supplement my income. I mean, I'm never stopping. You guys are stuck with me at this point. <laughs> That's good to know. We're here to we're all here. We're all here to stay. So, you know, I always yeah. end with this question and it's my signature question. So, um, Diana, I'll ask you first, name an influencer you love to follow, but hate to admit that you do. I went through my, who I follow, cause I was trying to find somebody and I really couldn't. Like I hate that I can't answer this. I I I was following like things that celebs say, but I don't. Yeah, no, there's nobody that I I can think of that I'm like would be following. Yeah, I just want to follow them. I guess I don't know. I'm kind of like I don't really follow people to hate on them or to like spy on them. Like I either want to see the inspired brother feed or not. So. Sorry, I don't really have a, a good I'm, answer. I mean, mine is like I follow like a Snoopy channel because I'm obsessed with Snoopy, but I'm not going to like be proud to tell everyone like I'm sitting there. I have like I follow seven Snoopy accounts, <laughs> you know? Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I don't hate following him because I'm obsessed with him, but I, John Mayer, I mean, I'd like to put a lure oh, on yeah. him if he's had to Alyssa, who's yours, if any? So I, okay, so this is my vice. I have um, a different Instagram account for my podcast. So it's the publicity podcast on Instagram. And, mm -hmm. and I follow every reality star. And I'm talking like people from Teen Mom, people from like Big Brother, um, <laughs> Temptation Island, Love Island, like any reality show that you could think of, I follow them. And I love to get on that account and just stalk the reality TV people because like that is my true addiction but I really to be quite honest I always say this I don't really care to follow influencers which is hypocritical because I am one but like I it's fun but I don't really care I want to follow the reality TV people I'm so much more invested in their life because I watch them on TV and <laughs> and I just go on that account sometimes at night in bed and I am just hardcore stalking and I love every minute of it that's hilarious Thank you. Well, ladies, thank you both. Um, love working with you. Love seeing what you're doing. We, you know, Battlebox always is here for you. And, you know, good luck with everything that you're doing. And we're excited to see what's next for both of you. Totally. Thank you. Thank you so much for fun. having us on. Thank you, ladies. Thanks for tuning in to this week's Beyond the Box, produced by Tough Monkey Entertainment. Beyond the Box is brought to you by Babblebox with your host, Sherry Langbert. Visit podcast.babblebox.com for more episodes and influencer marketing secrets.